to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Deidre Shen, founder and CEO of Capshow, software that helps entrepreneurs turn their stories into content that converts. Now, we believe that every entrepreneur who has had to overcome their own internal struggles is remarkable. And it is this exact remarkability that needs to be shared so that they can positively impact the world. So stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest in 20 or 25 minutes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. I have with me a gorgeous, gorgeous guest, Amy Parsons from Mozza Fiato. <laughs> I think I said that right. Yes. That's great. Like, yes. In my head. Um, I, I, I love what you've done with your brand. Um, I love that you have been able to find success in, gosh, like literally 12 months. You um, And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into your story and everything. But I did want to start with, can you tell us a little bit about Mozza Fiato? I'm sure. So we are an e-commerce brand. We are an importer of exclusively Italian products. So we're representing right now 24 different Italian brands, sort of like a, an all Italian version of a Sephora, if you will. We're a retailer. So we find these incredible heritage brands all made in Italy, import them to the U.S. and curate this collection of products from men's grooming and fragrance and women's beauty and home products um, and we're selling through our online store. Wow, I love that. And tell us a little bit, how, how did you get started? Because this is fascinating or almost like I know that you have a very different background. How did this idea even came about? Um, and yeah, what prompted it really? Yeah, very, very different background. You know, I'm an attorney by training. I was in private practice. And then I went from being in private practice to being in-house legal counsel to a large university system. I'm here in Colorado, so it's a Colorado state university system. Um, And that sort of set me off on a 16 year trajectory of becoming a university executive. I was the chief operating officer for the campus. I was executive vice chancellor over the system. And and it sort of shot me off into this direction um, that that really was a a wonderful career in a lot of ways. It was very sustaining for me and my, my family is raising kids at the time. Um, you know, it was financially rewarding. It was doing good work with a good mission, all of those things. Um, but in that span, you know, I really realized it wasn't something that I was personally that passionate about. I think it was meeting a lot of my needs in terms of that stabilizing force in my life. And I was moving up the ladder and really had a lot of great opportunities, but it wasn't something that um, you know, really got me fired up from a personal perspective of what I really wanted to do for the next phase of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all along that way, I had the chance to travel a lot um, to a lot of different countries. And I found that I just naturally gravitated toward finding those heritage brands, those homegrown ingredients, all of those things and bringing them back with me to the U.S. And I also realized that while I was on my commute to my regular job, the podcast that I was listening to had nothing to do with higher ed or the law. I was listening to startup podcasts. I was listening to beauty podcasts. I was following all these trends in the industry. Um, but still, it, it wasn't all coming together for me um, in terms of that was going to be something that I would want to do going forward. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, when COVID forced all of the shutdowns in early 2020, 
and I was at home for the first time in 20 years, um, really for the first time ever. My kids were home. My husband was home. I was home still doing my same job, but on Zoom, um, it was such a, an energy disruptor, if you will, to me of what my normal day-to-day life was like, which was a lot of attending events and hosting events and you know, hosting meetings and working in a high rise and, and all of these things. And that just sort of hit this brick wall that I'm home thinking this might be the disruption that I need to send some of my energy into a different direction and to explore a new path. Mm-hmm. And had that not major disruption happened, I don't know that I really would have set off on the course of really exploring, creating a new company. So you know, I took that opportunity to work with um, a colleague of mine who happens to be an Italian guy and invest in Italian businesses. And we just put our heads together over those few months and started doing our research and examining all these uh, Italian brands that, you know, we know and love. And we think that Americans would know and love if we could get the products here to the U.S., Um, and started reaching out to them on Zoom one by one. They were also at home with stores closed during COVID. Italy was hit really hard during this time. Um, So we found a a receptive audience in the Italian market and the Italian industry who were also through COVID, I think really looking for new and innovative ways to get their products out and to sell during this time when everything was closed in Italy. So they were open to the idea as well. So that timing sort of worked in our favor in terms of finding a a mindset in the market in Italy that was looking for innovation during this time. And we just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And then um, by about October a year ago, we thought we really had something here with the company and enough that I went in and quit my job um, in November and we launched, I, I quit in October and we launched the website in November. Um, and yeah, so we're a year and a month into the company. So sorry, that was so long, but that's sort of the Um, origins of the company and the, and the journey all wrapped up together. And it really, it really fascinates me when I hear people's story and almost like, um, because you always get this inkling early, way earlier on than when you generally you start a business, right? Like, as you were saying, you were listening to all these entrepreneurship podcasts and beauty podcasts um, way before you even thought about starting on this idea. Um, and was there a reason why you think looking back that you didn't at any point in that time pull the trigger or think, oh, maybe this is something that I should explore? Like, do you think there was something there that was holding you back Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it really is, um, it's security, right. And especially when you've built up a career over a long period of time, there's a tremendous investment in that time that you spent, Mm -hmm. even if, you know, and there's a lot to be said for that. And you like your colleagues and you love what you've built and you appreciate that time and anything other than doing that is a huge risk and a huge challenge um, to make a major shift like that. And I think for me, I sort of got to the place where, you know, the risk of leaving was always sort of what kept me there. 
And at some point, and maybe it's age when you get a little bit older, the it starts to feel as though the risk of staying outweighs the risk of leaving. There's really no no risk option in your life, in your career. There's a risk if you stay, and that's the risk that you're never going to know if you have what it takes to build a company. You're never going to know if you can get true alignment with your identity and your goals and what it is that you want to do. That's what you're risking. You're risking never knowing if you can actually do it and what that might look like. So, but there's also a risk in leaving because maybe you'll fail and you left this great stable career that you've built up over the time. So there's no, no risk option. And for me, at some point, it just flipped in my mind that there's a greater risk in staying here if I stay much longer, I will retire from here. I will be here for another 10 years, another <laughs> 15 years, and then that will be my career. Yeah. And that started to feel all of a sudden like a bigger risk than me stepping out and trying it and doing something completely different. And, you know, I don't know at what point, you know, that shifts in your mind of weighing the risk and then they become even, and then you're like, nope, now's the time. And for me, it was really that time during the COVID shutdowns that I thought I have to go for it. This is, this is my time saying this huge disruption, take that as a sign of it's time to go try it. Yeah. And sometimes we do need that, right? We just need the, the catalyst, the change in our own circumstances for us to kind of step back and with fresh, somewhat fresh eyes, look at, you know, our lives and our situations and what we really want and go, you know what, actually now is the time for change. I totally, totally, totally get where you're coming from because something similar happened to me as well. Um, mm. So I really love that. So let's just talk about, cause yeah, obviously you have a really, you had, you had a really successful career. I'm assuming making lots of money and you had that security and you then had to make this decision of like, I'm just, I am going to actually give that all up. So talk us through almost that, internal dialogue and that you know and I know that you mentioned it was the risk of you know um you know of of, of staying starting to outweigh that of, of leaving but you know I'm sure that there was like can you talk us through almost like the actual pros and cons and things that you were thinking throughout that time to make that assessment for yourself yeah I I think um you know, it was just such a major shift in my day to day of where I was before I had assistance, <laughs> I had people to help with technology, we had all of the resources and departments and, and all of those things that you really do take for granted. And then here we are a month later, and I don't have the person to call for tech, I don't have, you know, all, all of that support and realizing that you know you really do have to do all of that yourself and build it from scratch, um, that's a major challenge and a major time commitment. Um, I know that I keep talking about energy, but I think that that's really the hardest thing when you make this huge shift like this, because it's not just going from one day, you are this career and you're managing you know, this portfolio to all of a sudden you're, you're building this company from scratch. There's a, you know, there's a lot of other things that carry through in your life, organizations you used to belong to, friends and colleagues you had in your previous job. And it's not that you want to disentangle all of those good things, but on the other hand, you have to really be sort of brutal about assessing what things you carry over 
and what things you let go in terms of, you know, it just is so demanding on your time and your focus to build a company from scratch. It's like a day-to-day thing of, yeah, working with that nonprofit or being on that board is objectively great, but is it beneficial to what I have to achieve to make it a go now? Or do you let that go? Mm-hmm. So there's so many things to sort of rethink, um, not just in your, your typical day-to-day, but you're so enmeshed with certain communities, events, expectations, everybody else's expectations of you. Like, I know you're doing this now, but you still want to, you know, serve on the museum event board, or you still want to, you know, go with this group of friends who does this all of the time. And that really takes a lot of, I think, self-reflection of how your, your life shifts when you start a new company and how you have to really devote all of your energy into, even when it comes to people, you know, events and people and things that actually help you move forward rather than pull you back. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just not easy. It's personal. It's, you know, takes a lot of reflection on, you know, where you need to clear the space to really make the space you need for the new company. Um, And I'm still doing that, right? A year later, I'm still doing that of assessing is that worth my time or is that still sort of my old, you know, construct versus something that's really going to help with where I am now? Yeah. And can so, you give an example of, yeah. of that maybe of the most recent time that you had to kind of make that assessment and almost how did you, how did, how did you make it? Like what was almost the, the defining characters or what attributes that, uh, that helped you, that helps you through that decision-making process? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, um, you know, I'm not a big person who journals, but I am a believer in writing things down on paper. So it's very crystal clear in front of you. And I will almost weekly write down what it is that I have the vision for, for the company, what I need to achieve. And I keep that piece of paper nearby so that when I get a ping that says, Hey, can you come to, I mean, just this week, I have an event tomorrow. Um, you know, an an opening of a program that I used to work on in my previous job, you know, can you come to this and and we're going to do this. And, you know, all these people are going to be there. Like it's like, ah, you know, the old me would say, absolutely. That's my job. I'm supposed to be everywhere. I'm supposed to meet everybody else's expectations. I'm supposed to show up and, and look the part and do all of these things. And I say, does that push this agenda forward or does it actually kind of pull me back? Um, that's going to be a couple hours out of my day when I'm not going to be able to do this, this, and this that I really want to achieve tomorrow. And I have to say, no, I'm not going to make that event. Um, And like I said, those decisions can be, can be really personal, but, you know, I honestly believe that that's what it takes to be successful, especially when you're starting from something from scratch is that it's, it's total commitment. And that requires some sacrifice and that's not always easy. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, let's talk about uh, success now uh, because you've done a phenomenal job in 12 months building a multiple six-figure business. Uh, but I want to go back to, um, was there a moment in time that you particularly re- remember where you were like, yes, we are onto something. Like this is, <laughs> this is working or this is going to yeah. work. 
You know, I'll tell you one, um, early on in the first, you know, few months, we did a lot of PR just to get credibility for the company, to get into, you know, certain magazines and, and um, certain, you know, beauty podcasts just so that they're talking about us and we can put it on the website that we're legitimate and whatnot. Um, and then one day, the Rob Report wrote an article about us. The Rob Report is a luxury men's magazine. I had never heard of the Rob Report before, and they picked us up and they did a story on Mazzafiato, basically saying, hey, men in the U.S., now you have a new place to buy all your heritage Italian grooming products. And all of a sudden, our customers started becoming men. Men were landing on the site. Men were buying products. And I and the light bulb sort of went off because I had envisioned our company being maybe 80% women customers, 20% men. Mm-hmm. And, and it has since that point in time become 50-50 men and women. And I realized that men need a market for a place to buy their grooming products that, that it's really, um, it doesn't exist for them right now. The major beauty marketplaces in the US, the Sephora and Ulta, they're not made for men. So we sort of stumbled on this moment of, oh, men want to come to us. Men want to shop. They want multiple brands. Um, and once they're sort of told about it in a magazine like the Rob Report that they trust and respect, then they come. And after that, we started focusing on men, writing more blog posts about men, and they've just become this sort of stable, amazing, engaged customer base for us that I would not have expected when we started the company. Um, And it's just been absolutely wonderful. And we just keep bringing on more men's brands and talking with them. And um, that was really just a great uh, learning for the company and something that we've just built on ever since. That was really cool. Yeah, it's so exciting. I love when I love hearing when like moments like that happen and it's just like, wow, this is this is it. This yeah. is the thing, right? Yeah. Um, so our listeners do believe in the power of storytelling um, to create that human connection. And you've just told us multiple stories actually about yourself and about your brand that makes you remarkable. Um, and do, so my question, simple one is, do you currently share this with your audience? And if you do, how, how do you share it? How do I share my own story with the audience? Yeah. Um, I do a little bit through podcasts like this, but, you know, really what our brand is all about is telling the stories of the brands we represent. I think that that is really our differentiator is storytelling um, in our brand, because, you know, to me, when you, when you go into Target or Sephora and you pick something off the shelf, you don't know the backstory of that brand necessarily. You don't know where they come from. You don't know if they were created last month or 40 years ago or or where they're from. And what I think the magic is in the brands that we represent, some of them are 400 years old. Some of them are 200 years old. Some of them have these incredible stories of where they're from in Italy, just this generational knowledge. And that's what we want to tell on our site. And we want people to know that they can discover something at Mazzafiato, and then they can actually travel to Italy and go visit that family. It's a real place. There's real people. You can walk into the store in Florence and say, oh, I bought this in the U.S. at Mazzafiato, right? Or you can go to Capri. You can go to Sicily and find it. So we are, we see ourselves as much a storytelling brand 
as anything. And on our website, the brands tell their stories. They have their family photos. You can see the maps of where they're from and where their ingredients come from. So that's really our focus is connecting people to those stories, connecting people to the family so they know where their products come from and who they're supporting. Um, and I guess along the way on, on podcasts like this, I sort of tell my story of why that's important to me and why that's what I do now. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. That storytelling component is, um, it's so critical. And I think these days people really want that connection yeah. uh, and want to know what they're supporting. Yes, totally. Um, and I kind of want to like shift gears a little bit where we're segueing into the marketing side of it because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, and so can we start with what have you in the last 12 months really found, well, where have you invested for growth where you've actually gotten meaningful traction um, from a marketing perspective? Yeah, that's such a good question because we, I don't know that we have completely figured it all out yet. We are, we try everything so that we are diversifying as much as possible um, our visibility and our revenue streams and where our sales are coming from. So we are doing advertising through paid social on Facebook and Instagram. We're doing all of the Google um, uh, paid ads, shopping ads, search. Uh, and that's actually probably working the best for us as the tool is Google. Um, we are doing affiliate networking as well. And that's a slow build affiliate networking. You find the right affiliates who align with your brand, who you think can actually speak to who you are. And, but a lot of them are small affiliates. They have their own blogs, their own YouTube channels, their, their own websites, whatnot. So one by one, working with affiliates and getting them on board and, and having them act as a sort of a sales force for you. So those are some of the legs of the component, but um, good old fashioned email and text messaging is really still very important. So we focus on building our email list um, and building our text list as well. Text messaging is, and text marketing, um, it works in that, you know, you can't do it very often, but they are engaged customers and they see a text from you, whether it's a brand launch or it's a holiday promotion or something like that. And they click right through at much higher rates than email. So it's, um, you know, I think in e-commerce, you try to hit that sort of magic component of about 70, 75% of all of your purchasers are new and maybe 25% are returning. So always, you know, trying to create that new customer to be a returning customer, the new customer to be a returning customer, because we want people to shop with us time over time, over time, over time. Um, so there's all those channels that you work on for new customer acquisition. That's the Google, that's the affiliate, whatnot. And then building them into your base of repeat customers, which is really email, mm. um, email and text, right? Because those are people who are already with you and giving them new content and, um, you know, new brands and just engaging with them to get them to keep coming back. So having all of those different things working together, is really just what day over day just builds and builds and builds, but yeah. there's no absolute magic bullet. <laughs> I think that it is 
just the sort of 1% getting better at all of those across the board every day. Totally. Yes. You're definitely speaking my language for sure. Um, is there anything different that you're looking to do in your marketing going, going forward? Like where is, you know, the, over the next 12 months, where will you be investing for growth over the next year? Yeah. I mean, we are looking at expanding into Canada um, and Mexico in terms of just expanding our audience and expanding our customer base. We found that Every day people are asking us why we don't ship to Canada. So we know that there's an audience there. So we will be, you know, taking all of those channels that I just mentioned and expanding them out north and south um, and then possibly into other countries as well. We are examining the idea of putting some of our, we custom make bundles on our site. So it's not just individual products, but we'll put together four or five different brands, four or five different products and like, the Italian barbershop bundle for men or the Italian glow bundle for women or skincare or whatnot, putting those bundles out there more broadly into marketplaces like Amazon um, or other marketplaces as well with the idea that people can go there to buy the bundle, which is custom and exclusive to Mazzafiato, um, take them home, experiment with different brands, find their favorite and then come into mazzafiato.com then to be our repeat customers, mm. right? So almost using it as another way to just get that first customer acquisition and then they continue to buy from us. I don't know if that will be fruitful or not. Amazon and marketplaces are very complicated places to try to do business with razor thin margins. Yes. Um, so we're experimenting with that channel right now, maybe for 2022. Awesome. Okay. Well, this has been so super helpful for everyone listening to this, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, if anyone is interested in seeing what you offer, what, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. Best place to go is to the website, mazzafiato.com. That's M-O-Z-Z-A-F-I-A-T-O.com. Um, our social handles are I am mazzafiato on Facebook and Instagram. So find us there and I'm active on LinkedIn. People can connect with me personally there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amy. You guys, uh, we will leave all of those uh, links in the show notes. Uh, go ahead and check her out. Check Mozzafiato out. I think it sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank uh, so you. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating and review and share it with all your friends and I will see you on the next one. Jen here. Thank you so much for listening to the Remarkable Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, if you are a successful online entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, then please visit go.theremarkableentrepreneurpodcast.com slash podcast dash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials and tag me. I'm at Deidre Shen. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media as well and let them know about the show. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. Now, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, reviews go a long, long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me and my team. And if you want to know more, go to our website, dedrickshen.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. My Facebook group is actually called The Remarkable Entrepreneur. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Deidre Shen. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time.